Blog Talk Radio. Coming at you live. It is Buzzworthy Radio, where you can get the latest buzz on all your favorite shows and stars. Buzzworthy starts now. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to a very special afternoon edition of Buzzworthy. I am your host, Navelle J. Lee. We are joined on the line right now by Mr. Ron Geffner. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing very well. I can't complain here on the East Coast. Uh, finally not raining, so I will put it that way. What a good way to start it off. <laughs> well, the East Coast really is the East Coast now. That's true. That is true. As opposed to being Seattle. Well, I won't go that far. <laughs> not not yet, anyway, until I go back in August. But for those of you who haven't kept up on the news lately, as of today, Mr. Bernard Madoff was sentenced today for 150 years in prison, the maximum allowed. Madoff, who served as a non-executive chairman of the NASDAQ Stock Exchange, pled guilty to an 11-count criminal complaint admitting, admitting to defrauding thousands of investors of billions of dollars and was convicted of operating a Ponzi scheme that has been called the largest investor fraud ever committed by a single person. Federal prosecutors estimated client losses, which included fabricated gains of almost $65 billion. Mr. Geffner, what exactly are people saying on Wall Street right now to this situation? Well, it was obviously a, a pretty much very uh, upsetting to everybody involved, not only the victims who happen to work in the area, but also to people who are trying to live their lives compliant with the law every single day, and this, this is really just not helping their reputation in the marketplace. Exactly. But with regard to, but with regard to the um, punishment that's been meted out by the judicial system, 150 years, uh, there were some people that felt... Uh, appreciative of the fact that the judge recognized that there were a lot of people, over a thousand, that felt pain as a result of Madoff's fraud. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And not but, but, the practical, but the practical fact is 20, 30 years in and of itself would be enough to basically sentence him to life in jail. Right. His and average expected life expectancy is 13 years. And that's what he was expecting to get. He wanted 12 years, you know. Correct. And that... You didn't think that that's what he deserved. He deserved a full time behind bars. Uh well, he deserved far worse. If we go back to what I think he deserved, you know, I, I would say uh, we'll go to Old Testament type of uh, punishment, if you were to ask me. But I'm a little extreme in that way. But, <laughs> but people expected. I think we expected him within the legal community. We expected him to maybe receive a punishment of 25 to 30 years, mm-hmm. and, and that expectations based upon what other people were prosecuted and subjected to. Bernie Edwards from Worldcom was in that range, Sam Israel from Bayou, and other similar people, as well as there's somebody in the West Coast recently that was prosecuted and uh, sentenced for roughly the same time frame who was 81 years old. Right. Who had engaged in some form of Ponzi scheme. So that's really where the 25 to 30 year expectation came from. Exactly. What happens is our, judi- our judicial system have sentencing guidelines that the judges are advised to follow. And as a society, we generally want that because it creates an objectivity so that you and I, neither based on creed or background, um, commit the same crime of one of us who's less liked than the other, based on this background, is given a worse penalty. Exactly. Exactly. Another another thing that I, I definitely want to point out, and I actually kind of agree with this, is that a lot of people don't think that he acted alone 
in this situation. And the thing is, he's not giving up any accomplices, if he had any. I would um, find it really hard to believe that he did not have any accomplices. I've actually been saying this since the day the story broke on air, that it's so, so, so unlikely. You and I have a better chance of winning the lottery three or four times in a row each than yeah. him having no accomplices. It's been going on for too long and involved over a thousand victims. It involves significant sums of money. Even if, you know, A, I think somebody else was actively involved. Mm-hmm. B, even if somebody was not actively involved, there's no chance somebody did not have knowledge of it and should have stepped up to the plate and gotten involved and stopped them from continuing in his fraud. Right. It, it should have been easy to catch, but it wasn't, it wasn't feasible to even see the signs if, if they were clearly visible. Well, there were, there were signs. I mean, the reality was it's really almost impossible to yield that kind of consistent return over the time frame in which he did it, especially using the strategy he was telling people he was using. But if we look beyond that, um, that sign, the things that actually made it harder to detect is, although there were allegations out there alleging that something was wrong with his story, mm-hmm. he was a person who, in high regard within the pillar of society in which he occupied. So the way I equate it to it's like you're at a family reunion, and you have a really wealthy uncle there, and the wealthy uncle asks for you to lend him $20. Yes. You sit here and say, hey, listen, I know this guy. I can't expect or imagine he would steal from me, especially since he's wealthier than I am. <clears throat> and that, in part, is one of the things that made it difficult. The other thing is the reality is, unfortunately, there was some greed involved on behalf of a large number of investors as well. Mm-hmm. And when I say greed, um, you know, my intention isn't to offend people, but the reality is... If you had a million dollars, for you to not diversify your portfolio outside of one manager yes. is also something sort of shocking. Usually most people might split up between two or three different places. What happens if the person dies? What happens if the person's strategy goes crazy? And so when you're seeing these consistent returns and word of mouth and all this buzz, you mm-hmm. know, to some degree it's a little too good to be true, and, and the human condition oftentimes overrode this factual information because, hey, look, you know, he's been doing this for a while, and it's great, right. and it's safe, and that's all I care about. Would you say that that was the reason why he wasn't caught a while ago before before now, basically before now, as of today, before he was sentenced, that had an effect as to why he wasn't looked at before, and that's why he was never caught, is because he was the kind of person that you would not think that he would do something this severe. Well, he was looked at. He was looked at about four or five times by the SEC alone. Mm-hmm. And there's also FINRA, which used to be the NASD, which governs regulated broker-dealers. So, uh, and then also re- recognize certain institutions also conducted diligence on him. And to what degree uh, isn't necessarily clear. One would think it wasn't as great as one hoped on the diligence side. So people did look at him, but I imagine the reality is they didn't look hard enough. And unfortunately, the fault lies with a large number of people, not just the SEC. Mm-hmm. But you're right, it, it does make it, you realize anybody who's conducting diligence is a human being. Right. So we're all, including you and I, are, have our human frailties. And so we will interpret things differently depending on who they come from by way of example. You meet two people on the street telling you the same story. One's dressed up in a way which causes you to not trust them. The other one's wearing 
a nice suit, speaks properly. Yes. You're probably more apt to draw some sort of judgment where you trust the person who's properly dressed, speaking to you in a certain way, to trust them even if they're saying the same thing. Exactly. That's exactly. So people, and it's easy to play, I guess, Monday morning quarterback where you're questioning all the decisions that were made by people. Now, I'm not suggesting that regulators did not have fault or bear any blame, but people's expectations of the government to some degree also is not necessarily realistic. Um, victims were outcrying, where was the SEC? And mm-hmm. yes, the SEC could have done a better job. But the victims oh, should have also done a better job in conducting diligence. And you can't expect, by way of example, that no matter our demands as a society, that we can expect, for example, traffic cops to stop every person from speeding, to stop every person from running a red light, to stop every person from carrying an un- unregistered firearm. Exactly. It, it, you, can't, you can't have that happen. I mean, you can try to stop it, but you really can't. And it, it's a nice segue into my next question is, what can we do or what can anybody do if this um, situation presents itself again? What can anybody do to make sure it never happens again to you or I, for example, like if this happened to us, what can we do in order to prevent it from not happening to us? Sure. There's, there's, two compo- there's two components here. What should you be doing prior to making an investment? And the second half I would tell you is what happens if you invested your money with somebody you don't trust? So step one on that question would be with regard to any investment you make, if you don't have the experience in conducting diligence, whether we're talking about a $5,000 investment or a $250,000 investment, you should find somebody who's agnostic, meaning they don't care whether you make the investment or not, where their compensation is not tied to it, mm-hmm. that is capable of assisting you in conducting that diligence and has experience that hopefully is better than your own. So by way of example, and let's not just look at the securities industry. Do you realize how many people probably are fraudulently um, being induced to invest in restaurants or other operating businesses all around the planet? Yes. It goes on all day long. And the reason why we're not necessarily reading about it is oftentimes those amounts are de minimis or small amounts. So the reality is find somebody, if you are unable to do the diligence or you're emotionally too connected to it, mm-hmm. find somebody who's objective on your behalf to act on your behalf. Now, the second aspect is you've now given money to somebody who you don't trust. What do right. you do? Right. Now, the mistake I've often heard people make is, hey, listen, I gave my money to this person. We're thinking of hiring you. We want to litigate it out. But you know what? They promised us money in three months. And they said if we got lawyers, they're going to spend money to fight it, thereby reducing any, any money that might have been left over for us. Mm-hmm. The reality is if you're dealing with somebody who's dishonest, stop the conversation. You can't count on them for anything at this stage. So if they're promising you that, well, wait, be more patient, they're going to get it back, assume you're not going to get it back, and they're, quite frankly, just continuing to peddle their lies. Right. And in that regard, sometimes you just have to be, unfortunately, ruthless and objective and hire somebody who can go and prosecute the claim or go to your government, go to your local attorney general's office or uh, anybody in the authorities, go to the police. Mm-hmm. So even if we're not talking about a large sum of money, whether it be $500 or $1,000, there are alternatives. And quite frankly, you're probably not best suited to handle them if you're already in that position to begin with on your own. Exactly. In your own own opinion, do you think Madoff is cooperating with authorities at this point? I mean, he's already sentenced, but do you think he's... 
No, I don't think he's been cooperating of any material consequence. The fact that he has not named names, right, and that we haven't read about it, because if he named names, it would have leaked out. We would have read right. about it in one of these trashy rag magazines or store or tabloids. So he has not named names. So right there, I've come to the conclusion from my perspective that he hasn't been clean. Two, right after he got arrested, he tried sending all these valuable items to other people. Three, the, the eve right before he got arrested, he tried to bonus out all this money to his employees and family members. So, no, I don't think he's been uh, of any value in his cooperation. Uh, the other thing that people often are still finding very upsetting is how's his wife ending up still with $2.5 million? Wow. After all said and done, Ruth Madoff is ha- still will have $2.5 million. She will still have that money? She will still have that money. And when we say that money, she, she's negotiated with authorities to... Uh, relinquished claim to about $80 million in assets. So I was on with a reporter earlier today, and they're like, well, I don't get it. Why is a government letting her keep $2.5 million? Exactly. Well, the reality is there's a, there's a cost-benefit analysis to it as well. If she relinquished claim in 95% of the assets, it's one less thing that the government has to fight for. And if you're talking about billions of dollars and a limited amount of resources, mm-hmm. better that they should cut this deal and focus on the bigger sums of money than to sit there and fight with her for the two and a half million, which she's probably going to end up having to spend some of it for attorney's fees, bodyguards, everything you, you and I couldn't even imagine. Right. Wow. I cannot believe she would still hang on to that money. That, that's, been, that, that's absolutely absurd in my impromptu opinion. That's absolutely asinine. Uh, well, man, that's why I, I highlight that for you, because that was one of the things that's been causing... Um, Big, big issue. Now, the other question is, what are authorities going to do now that he has been sentenced? Yes. I imagine they're going to continue their investigation and continue to try to prosecute others. Now, um, obviously, the people who are believed by many in society to have participated in this scam are his sons and his brother. Whether they did wow. or didn't, only Bernie and these people know. Now, so far, since they have not spoken um, to authorities, I don't believe that they've been deposed because they have the they can. Uh, assert their Fifth Amendment privileges. Mm-hmm. My expectation is, and this is from my days at the FCC, that both the FCC and the criminal authorities have been speaking to other employees within their institution at the lower end, and maybe even offering to grant them immunity if they open up and tell them what actually happened. But the goal is always you go from the bottom and work your way up to the top, and you build a right. case. And obviously they're sifting through written records, but finding a smoking gun when you're going through that much information may be really, really hard. Okay. This is, this is definitely going to be something that's going to be talked about, if not months, for a few years yet. Because this, is, this is definitely going to be something that they're going to try to find out who was involved besides, besides Madoff. And I just think this is going to be widely usually talked about, not just on Wall Street, but also on Main Street. Oh, yeah, this is going to go on for years and years. But the other question is, what's really been the impact, um, an impact both on the government and impact on the Main Street and the investment community as a whole? I think the impact on Main Street or the investment community as a whole is going to be short-lived in the sense that I don't see people conducting the necessary diligence that I would hope that they would have learned their lesson from. Mm -hmm. In other words, A, one of the things we've learned is don't invest in something just because you think somebody smarter than you has invested. Conduct your own diligence. 
by way of example, also, even if somebody smarter than you has invested, it may not be a sign that it's suitable for you, which is suitable for them. For way of, by way of example, you earn $10,000 a year and somebody's earning a million dollars a year, and they put up ten grand. Mm-hmm. That ten grand means a lot less to that person earning a million dollars a year than it would mean to you. Right. So they may say, you know what, this is a really high-risk investment, but the rewards are 100 to 1 if it hits. You, know, you don't necessarily know what, what um, variables they've looked at or what their options are, their opportunity costs for making the investment. And then with regard to diligence, you know, I'm still surprised that people are out there not consulting with people who have the skill sets to assist them in making the diligence. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's like Enron all over again. I mean, I refer to it as like sort of like Enron. Would you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, in the sense that you had a lot of people that were harmed. I mean, it's similar to Enron in, in the sense that there's a significant amount of losses. Um, there's better and worse components. It's, it's worse than Enron because the amounts lost are in excess of, of Enron or, or WorldCom, we'll call it, from what I understand. Although it's not clear how much is really lost. That's still being debated. Uh, however, in some ways, you had a smaller pool of people that have been harmed. With, with companies that are public who are engaging in some form of fraud, the number of people who are harmed by it are even greater than investment advisors who are engaging in fraud. Right. But, in the, but the downside here is um, those people who have been harmed have been harmed probably at a greater magnitude, meaning it's unlikely that anybody who's lost money in Enron or WorldCom put 100% of their assets there. It might be one out of hundreds of holdings or dozens of holdings, whereas some of the victims with Madoff put all their eggs in one basket. Right. That's right. And so when they got wiped out, I mean, they got wiped out. They, they got wiped out completely. 5% 10%. Yeah, I mean, there were people out there saying, listen, you know what, I'm too old to work, and I've lost everything I've had, and you know, we'll make do, but you know, we've spent the better part of our life saving money and allocating to him because we viewed it as a safe investment. Mm-hmm. So the main question is, as what we were saying a few minutes ago, what is going to happen to those that didn't invest with him? Are they going to wind up getting that money back, or what's, what's going to happen with these people that invested with Madoff? No, I would expect that they'll get pennies on the dollar at best. It's, it means still too soon to tell, but I am not optimistic. And there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. Uh, the people that are getting attention based on various newspaper columns are those people who invested and not only walked away with all their money, but they walked away with all their money and some profit. Mm-hmm. And what positions the government in to try to get some of that money back? Exactly. That's exactly it. I feel for these people, and uh, hopefully something will come out of this as far as this situation uh, progresses. Um but I want to thank you again for coming on to the show today to discuss your opinions in regards to as to what happened as of today with Mr. Bernard Madoff. Ron Geffner, everybody, thank you so much. That was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Now, for those of you that want to know about our next upcoming show, we are going to be on at midnight tonight, 9 p.m. Pacific Coast time. Uh, with the band Lunar, they're going to be on the show tonight discussing their single, I Love My Town of God. We're going to be playing it on the air today. And we will let you know exactly what's coming up with some upcoming shows as well. I believe we're supposed to have on Daniel Goddard as of next Thursday. 
but I will keep you posted exactly when that's going to happen after tomorrow. So for all of you from that are listening to Buzzworthy, I want to thank you again for stopping by. Novelle J. Lee signing off, making sure you get the latest buzz with Buzzworthy Radio. We'll see you guys tonight. Take care.